I assume we need no introduction. I'm just kidding. This is Everything Trying to Kill You, the podcast that analyzes and makes fun of all your favorite horror movies. If you didn't deduce by that quote from The Vampire Lestat, we're talking about Interview with the Vampire today. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Megan. I'm Mary. And I'm Emily. I don't have an M name, but it still starts with an N. So. <laughs> it still has two M sounds. Emily. Which is there's no E, and it's just a lot of M's in the beginning. Like, someone's being like, mm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you guys probably remember this Emily from she was on our podcast about our episode about the lore the and mummy. the scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah, and yeah. the mummy. Um, will you tell us a little bit about like all your stuff? Oh man. Okay. <laughs> so I am on a podcast called Book Squad Goals, where once a month we talk about a book, and then once a month we also do like a review of some sort of new pop culture thing like we have a sharp objects episode coming up holy shit i did not know that yeah oh my gosh so that's gonna be our next one and i think we've all read the book too so a lot of times we try to pick things that have sort of like book connections or sometimes we just do random shit like jennifer's body which mary Kay was on yeah (laughs) oh my gosh it seemed that movie was like Bad, but in a smart way. Yeah, I think that's what it was yeah. going for. So, but I think so too. Yeah, hit the mark. If, if you want to get into our podcast, maybe start with one of the episodes Mary Kay's been on because she has been on two episodes. It'll be a nice yeah. segue for yeah. y'all. Yeah, one of them was about a book. It was a circus yeah. book. It was that really was fun. about um, the book of speculation. So Mary Kay can be your gateway drug into our podcast. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm gonna put that on a resume. Your gateway That's drug. amazing. <laughs> <Okay>, Ultra. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, also, Emily and I both write for Book Riot. We do. And one of the things that I wrote was, and this was just like really good timing, a quiz called "Who Is Your Vampire Soulmate." So that's going to be our icebreaker. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, too, if you guys want to take yes. it, take the quiz with us. So um, hopefully you like it. I want to know what you think, because it's the first time I've written a quiz, and I had a really good time doing it. Like, uh, it was so fun. So are y'all ready? Yes, I'm ready. Listeners, are you ready? I'm ready to take this quiz. Okay. I've already taken the quiz, and I made my husband take it, and we'll discuss the results later. Because I don't know if we're compatible now, and I think we might need to get a divorce (laughs) because our vampire soulmates are not compatible. I took this to the bar with this dude that I'm trying to see about, (laughs) and his answer, I mean, like, his result gave me great hope. There you go. So let's let's take the quiz, and then let's see how it goes. let's do it. Um, So are y'all there? Are y'all opened? Okay, so the first question is, what's the greatest thing about being a vampire? Um, also, can we, like, take turns reading the questions yeah, so I don't yeah, wear myself absolutely. out? absolutely. Okay, so, um... No. What's the greatest <laughs> thing about being a vampire? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was funny that I haven't said, like, a damn thing. Except for, no, like a cranky toddler that needs a snack and a nap. So, first question, what's the greatest thing about being a vampire? Mm-hmm. There are nine options. Vengeance against a vengeful god. Two, sex. Oh, and food, and both those things together, also mm-hmm. killing. Yeah, pretty much. Number three. Power. Listen, I love being right. Number four, lust. Who can stop me now? The next one, never aging. Next one, knowledge, especially being able to stay up on the latest music. 
Next one, variety and travel. Next one, not worrying about mortal shit like paying bills, driving home alone at night in a bad area, <laughs> etc. And the next one is, is there a silver lining? Oh my gosh, what an emo vampire. Right? <laughs> Dear vampire tomb, mood apathetic. <laughs> Guest, what are you going to say? I'm going to say variety and travel because I love travel. That's what I said too. <gasps> yeah. That's what I said too. Oh my oh gosh, triplets. Mary Kay, what do you think? I think, I can't remember what I said the first time, but I think I'm going to say, I'm not going to do variety and travel because listen, I used to do the online dating thing and all the girls say that. Okay. Uh-huh, so uh-huh, I'm not going to uh-huh. do variety. Uh, did you just call us basic Mary Kay? No, not at all. Okay. It just means you have similar taste to everyone else in the world. Damn. Except you also love variety <laughs> and travel. You're just trying to be Yeah. Hard. You just admitted that that was an option for you. No. Also, if you wrote a loaded quiz, like, that's on you. I don't know. Like, I'm just teasing y'all. That's how I show my affection. That's okay. We tease you back. I'm going to say... I feel torn between three options Mary, here. shut up. And let Mary Kay give us her answer. I'm going to say power. Listen, because uh-huh. I love being right. I'm supposed to change my answer, am I not? No. Mary, you get to read next, since you're talking anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you won't shut your damn mouth. You read the next question. <laughs> I started talking 10 seconds ago. <laughs> 10 <laughs> seconds ago. Non-stop. 10 seconds ago. You told non-stop. me. You told me change your answer. I didn't tell you And shit. then when I had an answer. Best believe I didn't say not one word about changing your You answers. can change your answer. Go ahead. So here's the thing. I joke about wanting to reverse age like Benjamin Button, like all my skincare shit is about ending my life as a fetus. So I'm going to go with never aging yeah. okay. this time. Okay. That's perfect. All right. So the next question then, so then I can shut up forever. You guys have a lovely hour and 47 minutes. That's all we want. God. Just do that. Okay. Uh, what quality do you find most irresistible in a partner? Option number one, their presence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, option number two, trustworthiness. Option number three, intellect. Option number four, taste in art. Option number five, boobs. <laughs> Option number six, youth, but not in a gross way. Option number seven, youth in a gross way. <laughs> Option number eight is can they follow directions or no? Because I'm in charge. And option number nine is resemblance to my one true love. Pizza rolls? <laughs> Go ahead, Emily. Oh, I'm going to say taste in art because, and I'm going to take that to mean like any kind of art, not just visual art, because mm-hmm. art is important to me. Like, we got to like the same movies. That's yeah, good, that's good a, that is kind of important. Yeah. yeah. Mary? <laughs> I'm shut up. <laughs> She's shutting up. I thought I was done. I thought I was done. I logged out, actually. I sure I said intellect and I, I think I gotta stand by that because as much as I like boobs I've got a perfectly <laughs> like I've got a tailor made set right now so <laughs> pay good money for those I did wow yeah <laughs> Megan go I also picked intellect because I feel like intellect is more than just carrying on like an intelligent conversation it's also knowing like what to say and when mm-hmm. and how to act appropriately and making mm-hmm. good jokes and liking puns. Mm, puns are a deal breaker. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> unless they're double entendre, then I'm down. <laughs> and I mean that both ways. Oh. Ayo! Um, Ayo! <laughs> okay. I can never get over the fact that when I first met you, the guy you were dating was like a pun machine. Maybe that's why she has that rule. 
Yeah, I mean, I tried to be supportive about it, but finally I was like, look, dude, I need you to up your game, son. Um, but since then, I, I will go back and forth because intellect is really important to me, but I'm a teacher, so I can be patient on that. I think trustworthiness is so much more foundational, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go with that. Fair, fair. Mm-hmm. Who's reading? I'll read. Okay. What do you fear most about your own vampirism? Getting caught and tortured and killed and not just for being a vampire. The sun, I don't ever really fear, ever. Write that down. (laughs) Starving or accidentally killing someone I love. The wrath of my master. Walking home alone late at night. Never dying. Do you know why there are so few vampires? Very few people have the constitution for eternal life. Eternal life is just as eternal as damnation. Or not controlling my own urges. I'm going to say never dying. Because that seems like a big deal. Me too. This is Mary Kay. I'm also saying never dying. Oh, yeah. I'm Emily Mm -hmm. again. Emily wants to die eventually. Same. (laughs) Um, I have an ad for Urban Outfitters now. Oh, it's gone. Ooh. Oh, well then. I didn't get an ad. I guess I'm special. Oh, man. Mary, what'd you say? What was your answer? Um, the sun. Nice. Yeah. I just, it seemed pretty straightforward to me (laughs) (laughs) also i do think that for me for me that would be like the double fear of like the thing i once loved most now is like the thing that because like i i am one of those people that you could take away a dozen of my other favorite sensations as long as i will be able to feel like sun on my flesh for the rest of my life there's a lot i would give up for that (laughs) but a lot well i have a sun allergy so i'm not one of those people fuck the sun but Whoa, I... that's bold. <laughs> According to cancer, the sun says fuck you too. <laughs> True. <laughs> According to my polymorphous light eruptions, the sun doesn't like me just as much as I don't mm-hmm. like it. So whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what I put originally, actually, but there's not a whole lot that I really like fear, I guess. Maybe I don't I don't fear. That's what I'm gonna put. Like I do okay. not like cockroaches, but other than that, like I'm But that's okay. not about vampirism, so you're okay. Yeah. So as far as like vampires, like no, nah, I'm good. Okay. Emily, did you read one? Do you want to? No, I'll do it. Yay. Oh, good. This is a good one. All right. I mean, they're all good ones, Mary Kay. Sorry. Thank you. This was my <laughs> funnest one to write. <laughs> okay, so be honest, y'all. All right, be honest. Don't lie. Mm-hmm. What's the sexiest thing about vampires? Is it power? Same as with humans. The illusion of power, I suppose, but once you realize it's falseness, very little remains sexy. Jesus fucking Christ. This vampire needs to relax. <laughs> Did this vampire try to seduce me on the floor of my freshman dorm room? <laughs> Probably. Um, I love being feared. Immortality. They can be reckless. Sexiness is not really my concern. I did not choose this. Or not being held accountable for anything. I mean, not really. Um, I'm going to say power is sexy. Same as with humans. Dig it. I go back and forth between the first two. Uh, I'm going to go with number two. Don't judge me. That's fine. That's fine. I'm going with immortality. Look, if it had been you trying to seduce me on the floor of my freshman dorm room, I probably would have gone with it. <laughs> Remember, she also likes boobs. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, immortality because I, yeah, that sounds fun as fuck to just, like, never have to worry about anything except the evil, evil we'll side. We'll be recklessly immortal together. Sweet. <laughs> We got everyone, didn't we? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, this is question five of seven, so hang in there, listeners. We're, we're almost there, um, and this is a fun one, too. Do you prefer the wisdom of age or the virility of youth in your partner? 
there's four answers. Number one, wisdom, definitely, I need guidance. Number two, wisdom, I need an equally yoked partner. Number three, virility, age is not really a thing with us. Four, how young are we talking? I feel like at a certain point, you've just got to become so fully untethered from age or wisdom or growth as a concept. Like it's just got to become something so totally different that I'm totally here for virility. Age is not a thing. Cool. Do it. I think I'm going to go with virility, too. Do it. Yeah. Megan? Or are you going to say Megan? I was going to say wisdom because I need an equally yoked partner. That was mine, too. Okay. We are of one mind. You are equally yoked. Of course. Looks so much for reckless immortality. <laughs> I'm not good at being reckless. It's out of habit. Yeah, I was like, I can be reckless and smart at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. I cannot. <laughs> Definitely cannot. Anyway. Okay, so uh, whose turn is it? Mine? Go ahead. Who is your vampire soulmate? Question six of seven. Pick an entree. Wine. It's really blood. Or steak. Extra rare. Or I'm vegan. Until I'm not. I like to think my answer by now is just so obvious. Uh, <laughs> Let's all say it together. Wine. wine. It's really blood. <laughs> I'm saying wine. I'm actually going to say I'm vegan until I'm not because that's my actual diet in real life. Yep. So. I was going to say, I think that's what I picked the first time, actually. And I think afterwards I was like, damn it, Megan, you should have picked blood wine. And I was like, whatever. You picked what you picked. Mm-hmm. Stick with it. Okay. Who wants to read the last one? I will. What's the one thing you never want your partner to have to endure? Being away from me? Wrongful accusation. I don't really think about that. If I don't look out for me, who will? Vampirism or heteronormativity? Um, I guess wrongful accusation. I'm going to go with vampirism. Hmm. If you're a vampire, you don't want your partner to also be a vampire? No. Oh. I mean, I guess, but... And they're just going to die, and you're going to watch them die while you're immortal. I just... That's, it sounds terrible. <laughs> that's true. I got my result. I got mine. I'm going to go with wrongful accusation, mm-hmm. too. Okay. Ooh, I got a different result this time. That's good. Yeah. I'm going to... I'm just going to lean into something that I've been avoiding and say being away from me, because I'm looking for a man who doesn't want that. <laughs> I think that's fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How the fuck have I changed my answers this many fucking times? This is like the fourth fucking time I've taken this fucking quiz, and every fucking time I get this result. (laughs) Well, then that's who you are destined to be. (sighs) Who is it? Count Dracula. Yeah! (laughs) In what world do I end up with, like, the classic prince? Also, I think that tells you something about this podcast. If I'm like, the classic prince is Count Dracula. What else? What did you guys get? I got Car- Carmilla, Carmilla. Nice. Yeah. I don't ever know if I'm supposed to pronounce those double L's. Yeah, I think it's Carmilla. I think it's Carmilla. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I got the vampire Armand from this. Me too. Line. You did? Yeah. We are both Byronic heroes. That's why I want to go last, you know, for the segue. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, there are, just so you guys know, in case you want to take this quiz, six other options. And I want to know what uh, Andrew got, Megan. Andrew... Was Akasha in there? Because I think he got Akasha. Yeah. That's who we got then. That's the one that uh, this dude got, and I was like, oh, that bodes well, because I feel like of the vampires, I'm most like her. <laughs> I was surprised that I did not get her, but... Because you are her. You can't be with her if you are her. You're right. That's true. Yeah. That's right. It's a soulmate. You're right. Okay. Well, is Andrew like Carmilla? <gasps> <laughs> We're never going to know. Yeah, there are other women in here, too. So. I don't know what happened there, but I, I, I just, I do not feel nearly as secure in my, in my fate. <laughs> it's, it's just a personality quiz. I just, 
Can you imagine me in a room with like actual like Count Dracula? He'd be like, "Oh, this bitch, are you for real?" <laughs> and I'd be like, "I know. I'm so sorry, sir. Oh but this gosh. is what you're stuck with." Like, I just you said age didn't matter. All right. I don't care about age. I'm saying I don't think he would be excited to meet me. Aww. You might. He's your soulmate, yeah. girl. Well, we talked a little bit about vampirism in our first episode about Dracula, but the convention in this book is a little bit different than in the original so i know that emily had some stuff to say about the convention in this one. Oh man okay i just want to preface this by saying and i think other people agree with me i mean this is the truth Anne rice vampires are the real thing they're the only thing yeah, yeah. all other vampire conventions before and after are wrong <laughs> anything that doesn't adhere to the Anne rice vampire rules is totally fictional right yep absolutely yeah Pretty much. I feel like she just added a couple of connections that should have been obvious before that, right? Let's say, in this conversation, there were a Ruth <laughs> who had not actually read <laughs> Anne Rice. Yes. And mm-hmm. say that Rube would find it helpful <laughs> to know specifically right. which different conventions you okay. reference. If that person were here, what would you say to them? If that person was here and upset with their quiz results, what would you tell them? (laughs) Well, the first thing, right, is the bites. Yeah. Yes. If you get bitten by a vampire, you don't necessarily die, right? You can, like, stop before you kill somebody. So that's one thing. Also, being bitten by a vampire doesn't make you a vampire. There's a whole process to becoming a vampire where there's like an exchange of blood which i think makes a lot of sense it's also even more of a perversion of the communion rite, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is what vampires are supposed to be so yeah i think it just seems logical it seems to fit with the way we understand the world working somehow yeah and hypothetically there's more consent involved although when we talk about claudia later we'll you know my question being that since i since i i haven't read and i've seen this movie well you would love it i've been told that so so many times and i just haven't ever actually done it i i I will this is this is convinced me the outline alone convinced me of nothing else so what I mean that is that I don't have a good sense in vampire lore history of what yeah. Anne Rice changes. Yeah. It's not a lot. She just tweaks it a little. Right. Yeah, there's so much since that either takes from or ignores. But you know what? I know, I know it's a divergent point in vampire lore, but I don't have a good sense of, like, it was definitely this, then it is this other thing because of her, and then this is how everyone has bounced off of that going forward. So, I mean, like, you can kind of think about that scene at the very beginning yep. where Brad Pitt is talking to Chris Slater, and he's kind of, like, going through some of the, you know, conceptions of vampires. Like, obviously, like, we can look in mirrors. Like, I love to look at myself in the mirror. It's great, you know? And, like, garlic. Mm-hmm. They can have some garlic bread if they want. I guess not because they don't eat food, but, you know, like, it's not going to hurt them. They can be around it. Yeah, yeah. they can be around it. Um, crosses. Okay, first of all, why was that not one of the answers of, like, worst part of being a vampire at this place? Not being able to no eat garlic. garlic. <laughs> I would have clicked that in a fucking heartbeat. Same. That would have not even been a thought. Mm. I didn't even think about that. Well, damn, Mary Kay, what are you even doing? I wish you guys would have told me this before we recorded it. (laughs) Well, I asked you all to take this about a week ago, and no one gave me that feedback, so you can shove it. 
I didn't know it was an option to change anything. I was just like, well, an internet quiz told me. Now my fate is decided. <laughs> I don't think I could change anything now, but I would have. But I also am not sure, like, so when I was writing that, all of the questions have to go towards a specific yeah, vampire, and none of them are particularly fixated on, a, on food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, Just us. I think just in general, like, not being able to eat food would kind of suck. <laughs> yeah. Would suck, get it? Yeah. Because of vampires. Yes. Very nice. Yeah, so a lot of the things are just, like, getting rid of some of those um, conventions that just kind of, like, seem dumb, like not being able to look at crosses it kind of takes a lot of the like more religious superstitious stuff out of the equation yeah um and it's like on a character by character basis because louis that's what triggers him at the end is when i can't remember the interviewer's name but when he's like god has nothing to do with it or what so he said something and that's what like makes mm-hmm. him flip right because he's still um i believe mm-hmm. catholic because he's right. new orleans but um the ones who are conflicted about their nature still seem to be I guess Christian, if not Catholic. Right. The thing is, like, as a vampire, you're not necessarily, like, you don't have an aversion to religion. Right. You know, like, you can be a Christian vampire. But not really, because your nature is evil at that point. (laughs) You have to, like, constantly override it. Like, those years where he was eating rats. A lot of vampire lore is written with the basis of Catholic guilt, though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, Louis has a lot of what could be considered Catholic guilt. Yeah. yeah. Louis's interview yeah. could be, like, Catholic guilt, yep. the movie. It's almost a confessional. Yeah. I was going to say, it's absolution. He's, it's some kind of absolution. Yeah. That at least if he is if he's made public, at least if his story is told, yeah. then other people can protect themselves. Right. Then at least, even if not hated on a personal level, he is hated as an idea, which he needs to be able to personalize. Right. And specifically his story that he can like take it on the same way he fucking runs out onto his porch and is like, hello, property. I'm a bad, mm-hmm. bad man in case you weren't yeah. sure. I'm going to set fire to this place where all of you and your families could have lived comfortably. we got to talk about that at length in a minute. I was going to say also part of it is the time period in which the original vampire lore was written. Because in Victorian England, and it was also a Scottish, te- like Dracula's basically, I mean Carmilla is first, but hers was more like pulpy. So part of what was happening then, and I'm getting ahead of it, but whatever we can do that, is uh, your industrial revolution, which is what challenged everybody's faith. And so that's why it was really important that the vampires adhere to Catholic beliefs because it, it reinforced a thing that everybody was in existential crisis because it's like, what do you mean we can control stuff? We thought it was all like the hand mm-hmm. of God. So it complicated everything. And so the other thing, though, is that by repressing sexuality so much in the Victorian time period, it came out in stuff like vampires so biting does hurt but it's also sexy Mm -hmm. and so i think that's what anne rice hams up Uh, so this is where i I had some issue with conflating a vampire convention and the conventions of the film so there were times in the movie where somebody got bitten to the point of gushing blood and they were like ah ah no and then there were times that someone was like ah yeah and i was the ones who were saying ah yeah were prostitutes that's their job is to act like they're enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> no, also it was like that old lady, the the like the the uh, old lady, oh, the, the 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 wealthy older woman. I'm not sure if she had dogs. the energy in her to be like, oh no. She well, she was just like, pumped that Lestat. Like, hot, sexy, young Tom Cruise was giving her any attention. She was like, yeah, let me just... Let's be honest, we'd all be like that. Well, it was Louis, right? Even better than Brad Pitt. I was going to say, you're just exchanging 90s heartthrobs, and we're all still okay with that. Well, no, no, no. I'm realizing now, as I say, that he didn't bite her. He bit... That's that's why he bit the dogs. Yeah. 
No, th- there were just times that I was like, well, that's the thing. If you, like, hurt me and I am not expecting it, even if it is a scenario in which I'm like, this could be fun, I feel like th- there wasn't even any surprise of, like, oh my goodness, I had been bitten. They were just, like, chilling as if someone was still, like, daintily looking at their neck, and I was like, is this a thing? Like, am I supposed to understand? Now looking at it as an, you know, as an adult and really watching this much more mindfully for the first time as opposed to just, like, hey, oh my god, I can't believe this is on, I'm so excited, and watching it for the 20th mm-hmm. time. I was like, I was yeah, just I have a theory. You know how when you get cut by something really sharp, you don't really it realize it? you and you don't notice oh. it? Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, I'm bleeding into my shoe because somebody broke their beer bottle. Like, let me go yep. take care of it. If it's really sharp, mm. you don't notice. And if also, if, okay, so if Brad Pitt's sucking on my neck, I'm, there's going to be a lot of shit happening that I'm not going to mm-hmm. notice. You're right. Just saying. So why do yeah. some people notice it then? Yeah. Well, the neck is like an erogenous zone. So if you're already like into necking and stuff, if you're already like feeling that sexual attraction from being like necked by Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise, then, you know, that's probably blocking out a lot of the pain because you're like, man, this is really intense. Like, I'm into this, you know? I think sometimes things that are painful can be, like, kind of sexy, and you might think, like, oh, he's biting me a little bit, but I'm, like, turned on, so, like, <laughs> Just whatever. go with it. Deal with it later. Giving you a little bit too hard <laughs> of a love nibble. <laughs> so why do some people notice well, it? Some people might be more into it than others. Not everybody's into, like, some people like getting choked during sex. Some people don't, like... Shit, maybe it's not everybody's damn cup of tea, Mary. Don't yuck their yum. Number one. <laughs> but I saw your question on does biting hurt, and out of curiosity, like, I had an answer, but out of curiosity, I was like, let's Google it and see what the internet says. The first thing that came up was I love werewolves.com, and it was like, unlike werewolf bites that are very painful, vampire bites are painless. And I was like, what is this website? And then, like, I trolled it. It's a real forum, like, for real people. Great. Wow. That- I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Please do. I yeah. love werewolves.com. <laughs> um, so the other thing that is uh, a little bit different or a little bit more specific from vampire lore is uh, the coffins part is real. So they have to sleep in their coffins. Yes. Coffins need to be destroyed mm-hmm. as part of, I think, uh, like they can destroy the coffin and then they're like, Ooh, what do we do? Um, I'll put that link in the show notes as well. The other two ways uh, that they can die, I think, are yes. sun and fire. Old blood. They can also, I don't know necessarily about this movie specifically, oh, yeah. but in vampire lore, older dead blood can kill a vampire. If you give somebody that is too old and decrepit and sick or blood from a body that is actually already, like, has recently died, that will kill the vampire as well. In lore. Yeah. Right, and it doesn't work. Well, that's how they try to kill a stat, right? I was going to say, but they do bring it into this movie. Right. Yeah. Also, I kind of think it's genius that at the beginning, Lestat doesn't tell them all the rules. So they're kind of like shooting in the dark. And Mm -hmm. then Claudia has to do all that research to be like, how do I get rid of this motherfucker so I can be with Louis? Mm -hmm. He's the worst vampire teacher ever. He he doesn't want to teach. No. Right? He's trying to be left the fuck alone. He's like, I don't know. Do you know? Why should I know? Exactly. I was going to say, if he doesn't, if he has made it this far... And he has made this many, because there's no indication that Louis is his first. Mm-mm-mm. Right. Right? So if he's been out there living and making all this time, and he doesn't know any of that shit, or if he does know this shit, 
and he's been out there living in bacon all this time, then either <laughs> he doesn't need to know, or he knows that it's important they don't know because they're going to want to murder the shit out of him one day. Yeah. I mean, that's just edible. It's going to happen. I just think, you know, if you're going to be a daddy vampire, then you can't get impatient with your children when they have questions about where they came from. You're right. Where do babies come from? Hmm. Yeah. Where do vampies come from? <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. But I will tell you that Anne Rice actually is an erotica author, which makes a lot of sense because vampires are mm -hmm. notoriously sexualized. They're erotic. And unlike the authors of some vampire novels that suck <clears throat> figuratively. Yep. They changed my life. I don't know what you're talking oh, no. about. What did? We know what we're talking about, and they changed my life. Gross, Mary, get off this podcast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Simone, do we, can we mute her from afar? <laughs> well, here's a question that you can answer. Do you think Anne Rice being an actual erotica author makes it more apparent of the romantic nature of Lestat and Louis' relationship? Yeah, so my, my comment on this on the outline was, like I said, uh, because I previously made a, a comment about it being ham-fistedly sexual, the, the execution of the bites, like, in, in a filmmaking sense, like the actual staging of oh, it. Oh, yeah, right? that's because this is the early 90s, so there right. wasn't any, like, gay stuff out. I mean, there was, but it was, like, very niche. Yeah, and so last night in rehearsal for Macbeth, actually, uh, we were having a conversation about kiss or kill distance and how that manifests in Shakespeare, right? Like in the language, as like your indication, like this is a time that you should be that close. And how much of this movie do Cruz and Pitt spend at kiss or kill distance, right? That like inches between. Very close. Also, oh, I could not handle it when he got all up in Armand's grill. I was like, do it, do it. <laughs> I was so I dare excited. You. I, dare you to do it. I don't care if I ever see anybody kiss Tom Cruise ever again. Yeah. After he hijacked the mummy, he doesn't deserve to be kissed anymore. I'm so mad at him for that, and I will be forever. I, I didn't really care about him before that either, and that <laughs> was just a kind of a, like, obviously, I no. did. My first love was Tom Cruise in Top Gun. That makes I've sense, I've never though. seen that. that. It makes so much sense, except I still, to this day, and it was, my dad jokes that it's one of his proudest moments. It was not, like, nine years old, bitching, because there's a love scene. I was like, I just want him to, like, race a jet on a motorcycle again. I want this dumbass love scene. And my dad was like, that's my girl. <laughs> 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 no, but I, I definitely, when he, I have a lot of feelings about how often Antonio Banderas should be kissed in front of me. By me, maybe, not in front of me. <laughs> God. I mean, one of those things is feasible in my living room, and one of them is not. Mary <laughs> um, Kay is happy to kiss Antonio Banderas in your living room. I have a really spacious living room. <laughs> She'll kiss him in everybody's living room. I, I more so meant, like, the other night while I was watching. Specifically that time. The rest of the time, like, yeah, I'll kiss the shit out of him. Just tell me where he is. Yes. But kiss or kill distance, yeah. Like, th th there's definitely every possible form of mm. staging and, and visual storytelling to set up the notion that their relationship is not strictly platonic and looking back on it now and realizing how long this was so fucking long ago yeah it seems to me now like wow this is such yeah. an obvious depiction of a gay couple and their kid it seems perfectly yeah. clear yeah so i had a student come because I, I make them come talk to me about their papers for their research essay, which is about a film. And I only had like one or two students choose this one. This was like maybe two years ago. And she came and talked to me. She was like, I just had like a question right quick. And I was like, okay, shoot. And she was like, so Lestat and Louis 
are a couple? And I was like, yes. And she goes, okay, thank you. So Lestat pregnancy traps Louie. And I was like, girl, get out of here. Go write that paper. Yep. Like, <laughs> it was so genius. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely does. It was so genius. Remember, remember the office when Kelly is like, well, I hope you're still committed to this relationship because I am pregnant. And Mr. I am keeping it. Yep. And then she immediately cuts her tongue and head with a yep. yeah. yep. shake. He pulled a Kelly Kapoor. Well, Louie has a child who died in infancy. So I think it's more of like a specific, yeah. I don't want to say perversion again, but... Like, he, he knew that this would work specifically on Louis because of his guilt yeah. about losing his child. Like, he knew that Louis would become very attached to this child. Yeah, and Lestat knew that was against the rules yeah. because he knew Armand. Right. And Armand says, we know you didn't know the rules, so we're going to let it slide that you made a child fucking vampire. Because what kind of sick fuck does that? Right. I just I think about how hard it is to get any human child to do anything <laughs> right. you want them to do, and then I imagine if that child could murder <laughs> and live forever with no regrets. Yeah. 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 Like they already don't feel bad for half the stuff they do because they can't yet. Oh my god. Do you guys want to go ahead and talk about Claudia? Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. Before we talk about Claudia, can I say one thing about Lestat, right quick? No. Yes. Yes. Oh, we switched that to girl. Nice. Okay, so Lestat, he's the more gothic archetype of a vampire than anyone else in uh-huh, particular. Yeah. Or really, he's just more of a gothic archetype because he has that mad scientist vibe that you see so much in gothic literature, particularly Frankenstein, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde mm-hmm. too, but especially Frankenstein because Dr. Frankenstein creates life which is supposed to be another representation of the existential crisis that's going on throughout the industrial age because humans shouldn't be able to do that. That's God's role. So Lestat decide. I mean, he's fine with it. He has, like, no problems making vampires, but he does give them, like, the illusion of consent, which is upsetting, kind of, when he, like, that's how we opened it, right? It's like, I'm going to give you the choice that I never had, which Mm -hmm. sucks, and is, like, very ominous when he says that to Christian Slater at the end. Mm-hmm. But uh, no no one asked Claudia. No. no. She comes up and hugs him, and he's starving, and so then he bites her, and he was going to let her die, and then Lestat guilt trips him and pregnancy traps him. Um, according to the laws of this country, if a child's legal guardian is not present or incapable of giving consent, life-saving consent is implied. Oh my gosh. That has to be a pull quote from this episode. That is fucking hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) But no, but seriously, like, if you walked up to, if you had the ability to, like, minister to an alien human (laughs) child... The good Samaritan law is going to protect you in this case. Like, exactly. There is no responsible adult you can ask for consent. And consent is implied. That shit is up to you. Go for I'm, it. I'm sure that's what Lestat was thinking about at the time. He was like, well, according to the law. <laughs> he was like, I've taken Red Cross CPR AED first aid, <laughs> and I feel prepared for the situation. You, call 911. You, get the first aid kit at AED. Little girl, little girl, are you conscious? She didn't answer. Performing CPR. Like, you know, he was ready. But CPR was his blood in her gullet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Bloody gullets. Oh, fucking yuck, dude. Pennies. You know it just tastes like pennies. <laughs> That's the name of my pennies. Bloody gullets. Bloody gullets. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm calling Jack immediately and telling him we're starting a punk band. What is a gullet exactly? I mean, I know it's like the mouth-throat area, but is it like a real thing? The- it's yeah, it's the passage that your food goes. So it's like your, your whole like esoph- it's the esophagus. It's yeah, literally it's a what we learned. 
like yeah, it's a colloquial translation for your esophagus. I just want our metal band name to just be Gullet. Can it actually, can it be instead colloquial esophagus? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's how we make an emo band. That's, that's a different band, I know, but like it's also oh a band. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. That doesn't seem like it tastes like pennies. They get real into it. You know what? I'm sure your taste buds change. Well, some other things in life taste kind of like pennies, and people are still real into that, too. So, like, look, everybody's taste buds are different. Maybe when (laughs) you become a vampire, food tastes like pennies and blood tastes like wine. Ooh, game changer. No, I mean the people who are turning. Well, they're still human. They're like, suck, 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 suck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm turning that into an audio clip. Speaking of sucking, I have a question. Yes, yes. So I asked on here what the nature of Louis and Claudia's relationship is, but it is very Electra. Yep. Well, it's interesting because I think in some ways, especially as Claudia gets older, we start to see that in a lot of ways she's more mature than Louis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when it comes to vampirism. I feel like she's more like emotionally stable and like, well, not, no, she's still fucking crazy, but she's still, she's more like emotionally able to deal with being a yeah, vampire. She can yeah. She's not cool with being a child forever. Like she is very pissed about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine being in a nine year old's body right I now? Say, I would also be pissed if I was nine no. for the rest of my life. Yes. It's not the time I want to be for the rest no. of That's not, no. no, forever 21 is a store name for a reason. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's the body. I want to have for eternity. There we if go. If I had to choose between 21 and 9, I would choose oh, 21, yeah, 21 every yeah. time. Like, please do not take me back to 9. Please. Well, well you talk yeah. about her not being nearly as conflicted about vampirism, but she doesn't remember much else, does she? No. Like, that's what she knows. It's like, it's like when someone's like, what's it like to grow up in one town? Or what's it like to have no siblings? You're like, I don't, what am I comparing, what am I comparing I this to? Right. Well, she also seems like she's more mature about things because she's kind of almost got more at stake here. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the others got turned as they were adults. They kind of got a chance to live their life and do the things that they want to do. But she kind of yeah. doesn't get to do that. She has to have her shit together and not. Yeah, she flips her shit at louis when he's like you need to she's like i don't have the strength you need to make me a companion you already found your companion and it sucks because she still has to be the child in that relationship too well and also she Mm -hmm. says that she doesn't remember her life before she was turned like she can't yeah she says i remember i had a mother and that's what she makes for herself like when she has the choice about a companion for herself and at that point this is an adult woman she's older than i am now like you know in terms of lived years significantly older than I am now and yet I say significantly let's be real it's like eight years but that's what she picks is the thing that she, she can't, can't have anymore and remember or that she does exactly that that's the that's the thing that's missing right and that's something that she we knows see. it was there but she has no memory of what it was and we have we see that so much as a yeah. as an element of humanity right people who we spend a lot of time recreating expected experiences that we don't actually have like wondering about, well, if I knew the parent who was absent from my life, what would my life be like? And, and, and like searching, like we, we, we kind of try to replace holes, even if our life was rich and meaningful. Otherwise, these expected holes, we keep trying to plug. It's such a human thing for someone who's lived mm-hmm. a three quarters mm-hmm. vampire life at the age of 40 to do. Right. And she has parents. Yeah, but she hates her dad. I was going to say, but she's reluctant in the relationship and it's not what she had before. 
And they're both failing her Mm -hmm. in different ways. Yeah, extremely. So it's like she has, I guess, in for lack of a better term, like biological parents, but like not like a real father or mother figure. She has caretakers kind of loosely, not really. Well, I think Lestat gives her more structure than Louis does because he's like, I never, I told you, what did I always tell you? And she's like, never in house, you know, like, like very basic childhood Mm -hmm. rules. And it's like adorable. And then also disgusting. (laughs) Well, we see her like in this moment of rejecting her dad. That's a teenager. She's 40 years old. She throws a hell of a tantrum too. And goes and cuts her hair. I love that part. She is 40 years old, her body is 10, and she meets them way down the middle into her teenage years to do the full-on, like, I hate you, why did you make me this way? I cut off all my hair because my body doesn't look the way I want? Girl, you are aging perfectly. You're doing it just right, just (laughs) on a really slow scale. (laughs) Okay. Um, Also, it kind of imitates, I mean, she's in perpetual adolescence, right? Uh-huh. Where it's like, uh, my mind is an adult's mind. My body, or you actually, it's the opposite, right? Because exactly, that's yeah, it. Exactly, it's like my mind is an adult's mind, but my body won't grow up. And most teenagers have it where my body is adult and my mind is still a child's, but I don't want to believe that. Yeah. And hers is opposite. And right. Remember when uh, I can't remember what she does. I think she like slits Lestat's throat or something, and yeah. she goes, "Lift me up, Louis." Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, because the blood's on the floor and it's gross. Yeah. Yeah. And he does. Yeah. He just does it right quick. Well, it, it sucks because I think a, a lot of her frustration comes from the fact that, like, she knows that she's always going to yeah. need a caretaker. Like, no matter how smart and, like, worldly-wise she becomes, because of the body she's in, she'll never be able to navigate the world. And sh- they say that. Lestat says, you'll, you'll never be strong enough yeah. to kill me. And she says, you made sure of that, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. She's yeah. a... That's a fascinating character. And uh, I, I had some friends... Oh, well, not friends, it was my cast. Uh, we were having a rehearsal in my apartment because we were doing read-throughs, and uh, as they were leaving, I said, yeah, all right, everybody hustle out, hustle out. i got to watch this movie for the podcast. I've taken notes. And uh, my Macbeth actually was like, ah, enjoy watching Kirsten Dunst tear it up. And I was like, yeah. Dude, she kills it. She's, yeah, she's amazing now. She was amazing then. She's so incredibly talented. Like, she's yeah, awesome. She can play a little vampire queen yes. and a snarky cheerleader. Yeah, and remember her in The Beguiled? I feel like she did such that a good too. job in that mm-hmm. movie that mm-hmm. movie was bomb and it did not get as much like acclaim as it should have yes. i think i mean it had some problems and i get that but that was a good movie anyway my funny story yeah. so i was obsessed with this movie and Anne rice obviously when i was like 15 obviously checks out and this was like on tv so obviously right. a bunch of shit was cut out of it but yeah i was watching it at my dad's house and he would just like go to the gym and then come back and like be eating and watch whatever i was watching and then like when it turned to a commercial turn it to a football game but he was watching it with me at the part when it's like the montage of claudia growing up mentally where she like she had her own coffin but she would like get scared in the middle of the day mm-hmm. and like run into his coffin and he would like hold the coffin up so she could get in uh-huh. and my dad would be my I remember my dad being like that's exactly what I used to do I used to hear you coming down the hall when you would get scared <laughs> <laughs> and I was like that's so cute and then also okay but Claudia is a, sh- a sexual predator though so I'm not like her I mean even at the time I was like but I'm not like her though. that was a that was a hasty and aggressive denial right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean metaphorically she is yeah well, I had to try to make that story segue into the next point, and I'd, it was a real rough one. 
So uh, one of the things that is so complicated about Claudia being a child vampire is that vampires are a metaphor for sexual predators. And when you have a child who's a sexual predator, that is weird. Mm-hmm. It is weird. That's it. That's the whole point. Like, right. that's all I could say. I don't know what else to say about it. That's just, <laughs> Megan, is this you on here? <laughs> oh, yeah, the blue, me in all caps. Under yikes. this point, yeah. Yep, Under this point, me. Megan that's... just wrote, yikes. <laughs> like, I felt like I had something intelligent to say in response, but, like, I don't other than... <laughs> other than that's fucking terrifying and what yeah. a great thing to do narratively yeah so when i was in americorps i worked on an offenders unit and i think the day that i first read files the only day i ever really read files fully through i was there with you was with and then we got blackout drunk it was with mary yep. Kay because the first file i read was i started with the kid on the unit who seemed the most normal and um he had like 12 siblings and had raped 10 of them and he was 13 and it's the kind of thing that is so upsetting that it, you have to look at adults then and say like, well, where the fuck were you? Yep. What was ha- what's happening? It, it turns so much responsibility back on caretakers. It, it just seems so impossible that a person that young could even desire this, let alone act on it, let alone act on it successfully, that it turns so much responsibility back on caretakers. And it almost feels like the best possible outcome is that the caretakers caused this somehow. Yep. That you could explain it away. That, like, well, an adult hurt this child, so this child hurts other children. I can make sense of that. I mean, it's, t- it's all terrible, but I can at least follow how we got here. And the idea of a child doing that anyway... Yeah. Is... <laughs> Mary and I each read one file apiece that night. We were there for about eight minutes. And it was like, you want to go do Margarita Monday? Yep. Can't unsee those files. That was horrifying. I do remember that. And this is the perfect balance of the two, right? And yep. that, yes, somebody made her this way, and yet, it's not like a, it's not like a long indoctrination. It wasn't even an inherent harm. Like, she would have died. She didn't die. She's just something else. It's just that something else is like this, but it wasn't hurtful to her. It's not like someone traumatized her, and now she does this. Right. So it's this weird balance of those two things in which you have this terrifying young predator... And yeah, there's someone who's kind of responsible, but not responsible in a way that is immediately blamable and punishable the way that we like kind of like look for or need as human beings. It's a really bizarre balance. Yeah. The end of my really upsetting mental health stories. No, I think that's super relevant. And I think Emily had like a point that was pretty Mm. similar to it on this outline i mean you had the extreme example but emily was talking about just kids in general right Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think one of the things that uh, adults forget as they become adults is that oh yeah (laughs) uh children are fucked up too i think that a lot of adults really romanticize this like period of childhood as like this time of like innocence and that like children are these like precious jewels that haven't been like sullied yet by anything and they should be protected uh-huh. and i think claudia definitely uses this to her advantage you know we see her like crying on the side of the street and like crying for her mom and then someone comes to uh-huh. mm-hmm. comfort her and she bites them right 
but I, it's like this idea that children are on the whole like innocent and can't hurt you uh-huh. and aren't going to be out to get you. No, kids are chaotic neutral. Like you make <laughs> you teach them how to behave. Right. They just are. Like they if they figure out that being sweet gets them what they need and want. Right. They're out there for them. Yeah. Children are one hundred percent more self centered than most adults. Like that's part well, of they childhood. They can't think outside of themselves until they're seven. Right. We like to like, compare kids to like like puppies or dogs where they're like it's all adorable and like sweet they're much more like cats where it's like what happens if i do this what happens if i push this expensive ass teacup off the counter what happens if i do this then what happens if i do this (laughs) and none of it is sinister yeah there's no just curious intent it's just and then if they get a reaction there's also not necessarily a strong like right. um, connection to like what the nature of the reaction is. Like you teach them what the reaction means, so you can scream at a child and they're probably not going to love it. But also, if they get no attention otherwise, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the screaming is more interesting and engaging than nothing. So, right, what will make a screaming like like the kind of the way cats like you you can't teach a cat to not do a thing by yelling at it because they're just like that's bizarre it does that now you have to you have to ignore it completely and it's it's incredibly frustrating and difficult to really truly ignore (laughs) something obnoxious i say this i love my cat very much but i it was when he was very young it was right terrible it was just terrible it was terrible yep yeah, and I love children, but my favorite part of being around children is when they get to that little badass, can I get away mm-hmm. with it stage, where they try to negotiate with you, and mm-hmm. you can see the angel and the devil on their shoulders, <laughs> and then you have to, like, convince them which one to pick. You know what I mean? That's my yeah, favorite part yeah. of kids, and they're usually around three when that happens. Three, two, like, two to four is my favorite age. Two to four is my favorite, because you can still, like, <laughs> snuggle them and pretend like they're innocent, but also they're going to have some stages uh-huh. where they're like, I'm going to steal these cookies. <laughs> Bitch. Steal them together. What you gonna do about it? It's like me too, motherfucker. I'm also gonna steal cookies. But let me tell you why you shouldn't do it. Because I got your game, son. No. That's why you shouldn't do it. For similar reasons, my favorite is middle schoolers because you get to see the very last time they're gonna act like a little kid and the very first time they're gonna act like a grown up. Nope, absolutely not. I want nothing to do with them. I'm sending them on a boarding school in middle school. I'm going to send them to live with Mary. No, I I do too. I love middle schoolers too, actually. It's amazing. That's true. I'm going to burn rubber segue again. Do it. Do it. So all of us appreciate human life. Louis thinks he does, and yet he owns humans, though. Disgust. Louis's a piece of shit. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Louis is a hypocrite Absolutely. in every single part of his life. He thinks he's better than Lestat. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he thinks that he's on higher moral ground. But, you know, like, sort of like, as we were talking about earlier, Louis's the one that tries to kill Claudia. Lestat's the one that saves her life. So really, like... Also, Louis was already living that vampire life. He just wasn't turned yet. Yep. He was whoring around. He was gambling around. He was, like, living reckless. He just expected to die. Yep. That's the only difference. <laughs> right. I guess he wasn't actively killing anyone, but there is no reason to think his actions wouldn't have because, because syphilis. syphilis. Right. <laughs> right. Also, just to bring your point back in from earlier, Mary, he does destroy that house that so many people could have lived in. He does kill Dondi Newton, which is a terrible travesty. Also, what kind of deal with the devil did she make? She looks amazing now, just the same. I was going to say, she, well, here's the thing. She came on screen, and I was like, God, she's so young. And then also I was like, 
I think she looks. <laughs> no, no, she looks the same. Like, I mean, yes, she looks amazing. She looks wise now. She came on exactly. She came yeah. on. I was like, oh my god, she's so young. And then I was like, she looks young now. And then I was like, oh no, she looks better now. Is that what I'm thinking? Oh yeah, she just looks like very like grown and impressive now. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. That's how you age, man. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. <laughs> Fuck a fetus. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to be Dondi Newton. I mean, who ain't? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, also, one thing that we talk about always on the podcast is representation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is set in New Orleans, and I was pretty happy to see, like, plenty of multiracial ladies, but where were the dudes at? Also, there was definite classism. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. In every aspect. Particularly, well, I mean, Louis owns humans, and then uh, Lestat's favorite prey is uh, he, he craves Creole blood. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That line that made me cringe? <laughs> but his favorite in the book, from what I remember, is like dandy boys. You guys remember that? From the yeah. Book? yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, they say that in the show, that that was like, he liked uh, to start with a Creole woman, yeah, and then, then move on to a dandy and then end the night with like a high society. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. high society, right? Is that it's right? It's disgusting oh, yeah. and hilarious to me that he was like, I'm just going <laughs> to move through the ranks mm-hmm. socially. <laughs> but here's the thing if he does disgusting things if he just waits it out for like 20 years everybody's dead and nobody remembers the dumbass gross shit he did he can just start over yep what a life i don't know if you guys knew this but emily's from new orleans yeah i did know that nah. what up yeah <laughs> i am i'm the expert <laughs> it's true i want to tell a story real quick okay yeah tell us a story my first time I went to New Orleans for real was with Emily, and I was dating this this human garbage centipede person. What a piece of shit! Remember him? He wore that tacky little hat. No, but I'm I'm so glad that you were there though, because we had a good time. Yeah, it was a great time. And remember how we walked down Bourbon? We didn't even go in anywhere, no. right? Because in Bourbon Street, it is just straight up sin. Like it smells like vomit. I I hate Bourbon Street. I hate it. But I always it was our first time, so we had to walk down. Yeah, it. yeah. If you've never been to New Orleans before, you have to just like see Bourbon Street and be like okay i get it that place is a shithole yep you know it is it smells like pure evil there's people out there partying Mm -hmm. in the middle of the day like in front of god and everybody (laughs) i mean i'm serious there were people like i've been i know and then the guy who would eventually cheat on me and embarrass everyone doing it um got hustled by this girl because she was like take a shot out of my boobs and he was like okay i heard he was a slut (laughs) she charged him like 60 bucks oh my god i was like get your money girl (laughs) he didn't like negotiate a price first no because he's a fool he just went putting his face in people's titties and thought they would be free on bourbon street yeah well he was stupid Mm -hmm. and also i was like that's what you get for being a rube that's exactly what he gets yep i hope he stats on exactly seven legos i've been in the wrong line of work for a long time (laughs) oh uh that's the one i punched in the jaw good it sounds like he deserved it just for the record I don't regret it. I mean, I, I should have been a little more classy about it, nope. but I don't regret actually that doing it. That sounds like the exact amount of yeah. class that he needed. <laughs> it was Milledgeville, so it doesn't count. I stand by it. Well, that's pretty classy for Milledgeville. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question that circles us back a little, but I'm sincere. Uh, it was my understanding that Creole meant of European descent yes. in the, like, Gulf, kind of, but more so around New Orleans, but that it didn't necessarily mean a person of color. It specifically meant of European descent or Creole is a person that is of mixed European and black descent and they were usually people that were in the Caribbean okay because my understanding was descendant of French or Spanish and then it can't apply so and as such it can't apply to people of color Emily 
We're going to go to the expert. Okay, so according to Wikipedia, <laughs> that's fact, by the way, listeners. But for real, though, they're like, Louisiana Creole is different yeah. than, like, other Creole. I mean, like, the definition here says, Louisiana Creole people are persons descended from the inhabitants of colonial Louisiana during the period of both French and Spanish rule. The term Creole was originally used by French settlers to distinguish persons born in Louisiana from those born in the mother country or elsewhere. Oh, okay. Well, I asked because, like, like so, like, Trinidad, like, so most West Indian countries have a form of Creole that is, like, Mm-hmm. Whether you're white or not, like it's meant to indicate that you're mostly European in descent, or more European, or the important stuff is European. Right. I wonder if it's a regional connotation thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It definitely. It definitely is. Like this is specifically Louisiana Creole. It's it's the opposite. It's a way to distinguish like the pure Europeans from those who are like from Louisiana. Think of it this way: to be Creole suggests that you're not from Europe. So the connotation of that often meant that like people who were mixed either like part Native American or black who lived in Louisiana were considered Creole because they didn't have that direct connection to Europe. So that's why you have a lot of like mixed race people being called Creole. So when he said he's looking for Creole, we're talking about he's looking for Louisiana Creole. Right. Not like the traditional sense of the word where you're half black, half European somewhere in the Caribbean. Well, no, and that's not that's not true of the Caribbean of the Caribbean either. Like it's not necessarily true. I just mean that my understanding was that Creole denotes that somewhere in your ancestry is like white European and that you are native to the area. Is that incorrect? This is the opposite. It's the it, the more important thing is that it denotes that part of you is not that. Mm. In this context, right. In Louisiana Creole context, the important thing is it's saying, like, part of you is not European. And that's what's the important thing. Okay. To Lestat in this era. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so proud of everybody. Yes. (laughs) On a semi-related topic, can I ask you a question, Mary Kay? Because I feel like it's up your alley and I would like your answer. Please. Okay. So this is definitely, like, in a gothic genre, correct? Well, at least, like, Anne Rice is obviously, like, a gothic genre. It is a retelling of a gothic story. So, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Could we argue that Interview with the Vampire fits somewhere haphazardly into the genre of Southern Gothic? Because of, like, it's setting the depiction of slaves added towards, towards black magic and white people blundering around cluelessly in their cuddly yes. ass covered plantation homes. <laughs> I, I 100% think so because yeah. there, there's also a huge emphasis on the way Louisiana changes from when Lestat and Louis are first exploring New Orleans and like yeah. what it's yeah. like later, like especially like That's true. in the 90s, which in the movie, the like current time is the 90s. So we, we see this like giant difference between like mm-hmm. the New Orleans that they were used to, which was very like French influence, and the New Orleans of now, which is still French influence, but it's very much like American. And there's even a line at one point where they say, We were Americans now, you know? So like that mm-hmm. changed. And I think it's interesting because when you think about Southern Gothic, you don't, no- you don't necessarily think about New Orleans. And the transformation in New Orleans is really different than like somewhere like Georgia. Yeah. But still, the slaves and the plantations and stuff was all there and we even see like yep. when we find Lestat in the more contemporary timeline he's like in this torn apart big yeah. old house mm-hmm. yeah th- I think definitely you can read that into the story 
Yeah, it's it's decadent. Mm-hmm. The next time somebody asks me what my favorite Southern Gothic book is, I'm going to tell them Interview with the Vampire and just, like, wait excitedly for them to look at me when I don't say Faulkner. Yeah. <laughs> I love Faulkner. and oh, I, I do, I, too. I mean, I don't love him as a human. I love his writing. But I think that one of the differences that I see with this versus with traditional Southern Gothic is that the thing that makes the South Gothic is that they won't admit to uh, race relations being Ooh, a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this one does. Like, it, it's pretty in the forefront. So I'm not sure. That's why I said it's like a retelling of it. So it's it's definitely there. And I think that if the story had been told when Louis was burning down his plantation, absolutely it would have been Southern Gothic, especially because all of his slaves, yes, let's go ahead and say that because that's what it that's was. That's exactly what they were. Yeah. Right? I know that it's like popular now to not call people what they were exploited as, but it's disrespectful to do that, so I'm not going to. Is that popular? Yeah, whenever they were uh, in Milledgeville, they did that a lot when they would give, like, tours of Mm. the governor's mansion. I worked in special collections for, like, a second, and then someone, like, on her tour was like, don't you mean servants? She was like, no, I mean slaves. It's disrespectful to not call it what it was. Yep. Servants and slaves are are very different. Very different. That's like denying the Holocaust. It's the exact same BS. Like, you can't do that. Yeah, that's not the political correctness that we want. No, uh, no. And I don't think anyone wants that, honestly. Uh, no, I think it's just easier to, to talk about if you use euphemisms, but that's not how it was, so get over it. I mean, not get over it, but, like, get over the verbiage yes. of that. We knew what you meant. Okay, thanks. <laughs> and I wanted to just say also that with that part of the narrative, which happens, like, fairly early in the movie. Also, did anybody else feel like the end was super rushed? Yes. Okay. I mean, we definitely paid more attention to the more interesting parts, I think. But when all of Louis' slaves are like, we think you're the devil. Uh-huh. We're doing this counteractive voodoo <laughs> to try to get you to calm down. We don't know what to do. He eventually like addresses it head on and he's like, yep, I'm the devil. Get out now. Everyone's free. I mean, it's like, it's the wrong reason for doing the right thing. Uh-huh. Felt like one of those like storytelling gimme moments. Where I'm going to need to identify with this guy going, like, he's supposed to be my through line for the rest of this narrative. And if he does this, it's going to be easier. Like, it lowers the threshold to identify with this with this character going forward. I, immediately, I was like, oh, good, you are a good vampire now. I get it. <laughs> okay. Right. No, I, I mean, I definitely get where you're coming yeah. from on that, Mary. Where it's like, until then, I didn't really notice that he was that guy somehow, I guess, because we didn't ever see him at home. We just saw him out whoring around. But as soon as we saw that, I was like, I don't want to be on your side anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I, I think that was a deliberately avoidant thing. And then Tondi herself was like, oh, you never come out to the slave quarters anymore. And I was like, um, he couldn't before now. We would hate him very much. Yeah, I thought she was saying, like, you don't come out to rape us anymore. Yes, that's exactly what she was saying, wasn't it? Okay, I'm gl- I thought so, yeah. Why else yeah. would you go out there? Don't know. I mean, there's only there's really only two options. One is that he goes out there for pejorative reasons, but he doesn't anymore. But also, if he was going out there for unpleasant reasons, mm-hmm. why would they be concerned about that if he stopped? That's true. Secondly, if he's going out there for positive reasons, if he's just going out there to be like, hey, <laughs> it's me, how y'all doing? Like, what's good? Like, everyone got something they need? Like, come on, like, you know, I'm always open to feedback. I'm always open to constructive feedback. criticism. Here, I have your slave surveys to fill out. Let me know how I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> circle the smiley face or the frowny face. And remember, they're anonymous because none of you have names that I recognize because I'm a monster. Well. 
<laughs> it's not funny. It's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> oh, man. What were we talking about again? Paris, I think. <laughs> yes. Well, we were getting to Paris. We derailed before we got to Paris, but now we're back on our flight. But while we're talking about regionalism, right, because they go straight from New Orleans to murdering yeah. Lestat in New Orleans, and then they're like, let's hop a ship. Get the fuck out of Dodge. Yes, and yeah. can I just say, too, this is a part in the novel that I love that I was, like, so sad wasn't in the movie. Actually, you know, like, I read the book after I saw the movie because I was, like, very little when I first saw the movie. I think that's the way to do it, so you don't get disappointed oh, in yeah. the film. Oh, yeah, but, like, reading the book, there's this part where, like, so Louis and um, Claudia, I almost said Kirsten Dunst, Louis and <laughs> and actress Kirsten Dunst take a boat <laughs> over to France, and there's this whole section where they're in, like, the countryside, and they're staying in these yep. little, like, taverns. and where they're honeymooning. Yeah, and people are, like, very superstitious because it's their country people, and, like, you know, they end up having to flee because everyone's like, we know you're vampires, like, we're not idiots, you know? And that was my favorite part of the whole book, was them, like, traveling through the French countryside, and I was like, man, yeah. I would have liked to see more of this, but that wasn't the story the movie was trying to tell. I wish it had been, like, a mini-series. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe one day. HBO picked this up. Mm, yeah. Yeah, but it can't be our same guys anymore. They've actually aged. Well, I'm, I'm okay oh, with that, shit. as long as they cast well because i'm not fully on board with the casting in this movie anyway <laughs> thank you oh my god oh okay it's better than like queen of the dam the casting in that was insane okay well right? well, except for Aaliyah, who was perfect but that guy who played lestat like fuck that guy yeah hold on can i can i ask though because i thought i was so alone in this what is your beef with the casting i'm so excited to hear I feel like, okay, so this movie came out in 1994, and I feel like they were just straight up like, let's cast every 90s heartthrob in this movie so mm -hmm. we can get the bitches in the theater, because <laughs> yeah. you know all of these, like, bitches want to mm -hmm. just watch uh, 90s heartthrobs being, like, semi-homoerotic with each other. I mean, we do. <laughs> that is true about us as bitches. I was going to say, that's exactly that's what I wanted. I got exactly <laughs> what I wanted out of this I mean, film. yes. But so it was very like I felt like surface level casting and I think we could get hot people that are also like, I don't know, better actors. That's just I'm not a huge mm -hmm. fan of Tom Cruise and Lestat is a really like cool character. Agreed. Well, he's the only one that I want to kick. Like I want yeah. to kick him out. <laughs> oh my god, that'll be our closer. Who would you cast as Lestat now instead? Yes. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna write that in. So y'all be thinking about that. All right. If someone doesn't let me talk about Paris, though, I'm no, going to talk about right it. Look, I was trying to talk about it. Go. I'm going to break this window to quote Mary Kay. Megan, I had a I had a friend one time, and she talked about how mad she would get at her students and how she wished that she could projectile vomit on command. That's exactly, that's so relatable. I get it. Oh, my God. Okay, tell us about Paris. <laughs> okay, please. So, before you vomit. <laughs> before I vomit all over the Don't do it. it. Oh my god, I can't even like <laughs> do it. <laughs> oh my god, Mary's such an enabler. Okay, so when I saw Mary Kay last night because we went to go see Aladdin in the musical, <gasps> I Fox saw together. that. It was magical. Aww. We had such a beautiful so day. So jealous. And it was so romantic. Aww. And I loved it. It was. And she's like, I can't see. Is it okay if I lean into you? And I was like, yes, girl, just lean into me. I had to see the genie. I had to see him. Oh my God, he was fantastic. As you were leaning in. Yeah. 
So as we were hanging out, I was like, I cannot wait for tomorrow when we record. She was like, me either. I was like, because when I was in Paris last year, I went to the Museum for Occultism and Vampires. I didn't even know that fucking existed. It does. I have to go there now. It is next to the incredible cemetery that is there. And basically it's owned by Jacques Surgeon. And he is a vampire historian and he owns this museum and like he is a hunter, firm. vampire hunter. That's what that means. That's exactly what that a la means. Professor Van Helsing. Read between the lines. Who can get but it? But he has oh. a book called Le Livre de Vampires and I bought a copy of it and like it's the one that's fully in French and I pulled my copy of the book out. In the very beginning of the book, there is a quote. I'm going to read it slowly. In English, not in French. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm not giving you, like, crappily translated things where words or, like, verbs are missing and shit. I thought you were going to say, I'm going to read it slowly so that you bitches understand. <laughs> that, too. No, I'm reading it in French. Re- it's in French, and I'm reading it into English. Okay. But it's a quote. <laughs> so oh, my God, you're so smart. Oh, my God, you're so smart. Done. Things. <laughs> things. I just want to say every couple of minutes that I speak fluent <laughs> French. So, <laughs> stop telling us and show us. <laughs> Je suis prête. Okay, anyway. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I'm going to vomit. Oh, that sounds bad for you. <laughs> Read to us in English French. Okay. Can one be afraid of what he does not believe in? It would seem logical to say no, but if the vampire has gone from legend to myth to even archetype, then it is probably because, though few would confess believing in she, he, or it, the vast majority is nonetheless terrified of it. Which I just thought was kind of cool. It is cool. Not really pertaining exactly, but for the most part, Jacques Surgeon, other than this book, is also famous for very openly hating Anne Rice. (laughs) Because he does not like her portrayal of vampires. He said that she left out the kindness of consent that vampires in real life portray and that she birthed a phenomenon in rituals of fear, which I don't know if I exactly got that yeah. from Anne Rice, but in his is that there's you have no reason to fear vampires because if you just tell them no or you don't let them in oh. or you're not open to the idea of vampires, they will like completely just leave you alone. But what if you just are in public? I know it says you, it's, you cannot be afraid of a vampire because a vampire always gives you a choice. And so if you say no, the vampire has to respect that. Okay, so what you're telling me is that I am better off with a vampire than every other fucking dude I've ever met. Yes. Applause. I'm the genie with the applause sign over my head right now. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I get the consent thing in, in as much as I know it's, it's part of vampire lore that they can't cross your threshold without an invitation. So I wondered about that. Watching the movie, I was like, oh, is mm-hmm. this the first time that convention's broken or no? Okay, cool. So I get that, but seriously, if I'm walking down a darkened alley and a vampire is like, <laughs> like, seriously? <laughs> right. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Also, Jacques is a man's name. He probably hasn't encountered that, so. But he also says that you're not likely going to find these in well-to-do areas and that vampires came around due to medical ignorance and some kind of conogenian in, like, poor rural areas. So basically, it's like rabies. A lot of people think that rabies is what started being a vampire. I've heard that rabies was the werewolf origin, and I've heard that porphyria is the vampire. Yeah. It's like a, a blood disorder. Yeah. Probably. That's what I've heard. Because, it, yeah, it makes you sensitive to light. It makes your gums retract. Yeah. 
That's where the whole yeah. fear of like, oh, the like the ritual of wearing garlic came to be is because garlic is an antimicrobial agent. Oh, it is wow. something that came place of some sort of like medical ignorance of some sort or some sort of easily spread disease. Wearing garlic would be antimicrobial and send that off. Yeah, and as we all know, medicine in the Gothic era, which is like Victorian era, is basically, and I'm using air quotes for our mm-hmm. listeners here, science. Like, they didn't know about germs. They didn't really, like, think that it was a big deal if you went from, like, amputating a separating wound to delivering a baby. Like, why would you need to wash your hands between those two things? By the way, the thesis of Victorian medicine is wash your fucking hands. That's the thesis of current medicine. Wash your fucking hands. Yeah. Just everybody needs to wash their hands all the time. If you don't have a keychain with hand sanitizer on it, what are you doing with your life? Also, when you wash your hands, be sure to sing happy birthday two times. Yep. Two times. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you get up your wrist a little bit and under your damn nails. Get under your fingernails before you give us all yeast infections, you sick fucks. Yep. Also, I could not help but notice how long all of these well, vampires' nails were. do you remember when I said were. that? Yes. When we were watching Dracula and you're like, would you fuck Dracula? And I was like, no, I don't want those nails anywhere near my lady bits. <laughs> not with those nails. Yeah. The, the nails grew immediately, right, too? Like, at one minute, Brad Pitt just had normal man hands, and then all of a sudden yeah. he had... And then he took a handful of prenatal vitamins with all that iron, and his nails just shot the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's supposed to be because their bodies change for two weeks because their body is dying. All right, well, that makes sense. That's great. Mm -hmm. But also, panathenic acid and iron, Mary. God. I mean, for real, though, the hair and nails of corpses grow for two weeks. I actually heard that the flesh retracts. So it appears that hair and nails continue to grow. But really, it's that... Well, maybe that's also what happened. I don't know. Those nails look long as shit. I did not appreciate it. I don't know. I don't yeah. think the skin retracted on Dracula that much for him to have those long-ass S&S-style, like, call center nails. Oh, Dracula's nails were fucking repulsive. They were, like, the talons that are, like, the stiletto Yeah, nails. the ones that are on the comedy skits or the girls that work at call centers, which is super not okay, but, like, that's what the nails were. So, I wanted to talk about Armand, because I feel like his character was very minor in the movie compared to the book, yeah. too. Also, compared to the amount of my heart that Antonio Banderas takes up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead with your real thing. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Yes. Can we all take a moment of silence for making Antonio Banderas wear a white face? <laughs> God, <laughs> so unfortunate. Fucking yeah. damn it. Also, that wig is what got me. I, like, I could get past the wig. I like some long I don't hair. Know. I can't really get past that. the white face. I mean, it was a little bit like swept but back. But it, it was a bad wig. It was. Like, we need to give him some references. But. Not as bad as white face. Uh-huh. That's true. And he also had like sexy monster eyes where they were just light brown. Uh-huh. Not like contracted people pupils like Louis in blue eyes did you guys notice this yeah i guess contact no. lens like science was like very primitive in the early oh, 90s no, yeah. so it's not that his eyes are so light it's that um well i mean i guess their eyes are slightly lightened but rather their pupils were just made to be a fixed size that was really small no he has contacts in because they don't No, he move. does he does he does i mean that the color isn't what's so unnatural as it is that the pupil size yeah it doesn't change yeah yeah exactly Exactly. Yeah, but I felt like Antonio, I mean, uh, excuse me, Armand's eyes were still pretty dreamy because they were just like a light brown. And they were attached to Antonio Banderas. So. And they were attached to <laughs> You can put any eyeballs on that man. <laughs> My eyes are light brown, and as far as I know, you've never fantasized about me, so it's definitely Antonio Banderas. No, it is, but also sometimes, like, if somebody has, like, monster eyes, I'm like, damn, did you run out of gas on purpose, Michael Jackson? Like, 
what's going on. <laughs> I'm done. Um, I'm off. <laughs> I quit this podcast. Anyway, so our mind was my, it was yours too, Emily, right? Your answer for the quiz? Yes. Yeah, so our mind is like your Byronic hero of this novel because he's the most philosophical and he's the oldest vampire. Yeah. He's very concerned with being like hip on the time, even though he is the oldest. And I think that's the way that he keeps himself alive, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and so that's one of the, I think, one of the reasons why he lusts after Louis so hard. Because Louis is supposed to be of the new age, and Louis is like, I hate fucking everything. And Armand is like, yeah, that's the spirit of the new age. Teach me how to hate fucking everything, right? Yeah. Don't worry, honey, it's just gonna keep getting grosser. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, this this is kind of true of real life, too. Like, the way you stay young is by staying hip to what the young people are doing. Yeah. And, like, once you kind of let go of that, you kind of, like, lose touch with reality. Yeah. Because reality is what the young people are doing. Ooh. In a way. You're so right. Ooh. Thanks, girl. So, I was talking about, this is, like, a couple years ago. I was telling my dad about Beyonce's Lemonade and how it was, I think it was my dad. It was somebody in my paternal side of my family. And they were like, what's that? What's Lemonade? And my grandma was like, it's Beyonce's new album. It's all over the news. <laughs> I was like, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Anyway, she's very young at heart. Yes, exactly. And that's how she stays young. Yeah. She has all kinds of fun. knowing about Beyonce. And everything. Her doctor Mm -hmm. told her her cholesterol is high, and she was like, I guess I'll stop eating biscuits and gravy every morning. (laughs) I'll just cut it back to three (laughs) days a week. (laughs) She's amazing. Anyway. Yeah, so the movie seems like it's going to end at one point. Let's start. Yeah. Like trapped back in the burned out mansion looking like fucked to hell oh yeah that's where i wanted it to end yeah i was like oh so the moral of the story is that his particular brand of feckless fuckery is (laughs) feckless fuckery is the name of our band (laughs) that's the name of my my r&b band <laughs> Feckless my, yeah, my R and B supergroup. Yep, but that that it's not sustainable in the modern age. That there's there's just too much visibility. There's too much availability. That it's impossible to sustain the way he's lived his life, and that that's why even after having the possibility of coming back, we do he could get through a lot. But even having gotten through it, even with the opportunity to maybe do more, he he couldn't. He didn't because his time was gone. And then the movie actually ends with him like. I drive convertibles and sunglasses like Tom Cruise. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. is the moral of the story that that is the level of no gives fuckery that it takes yeah, right. to fucking be immortal? Like, that Lestat himself will just always find a way to be alive no matter what. The, he has no moral center. He has no values. He has no... It's, it's just so purely self-interest that it doesn't matter, no matter what. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah good point yeah well i'm trying to think of it like because we think that i mean your adaptability is what makes you survive in hardship and especially in apocalyptic situations which a vampire transformation would be right Mm -hmm. so yeah and also i do not like the ending that we had for the movie like louis ending to me was much more poetic okay where he attacks the interviewer and then was like you don't understand it all like that made me feel more than Lestat being like, I'm going to give you the choice that I never had. Which, by the way, goes back to the consent that the guy in the Paris Museum was talking about. Because mm-hmm. Lestat didn't have a choice. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, you know, one of those is more ideologically pure, and one of those is more cinematic. Right, yeah. And two 90s heartthrobs in a convertible on the Golden Gate Bridge <laughs> is much more cinematic. I mean, you're definitely right, but I just feel like there could have been a happy medium. I agree completely. It felt very like, oh, this is a blockbuster movie. Right. Kind of yeah. Yes. And then it's got that awesome Guns N' Roses cover of Sympathy for the Devil. Yeah. yeah. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. We didn't talk about yet the vampire theater, which I think works well with the idea of the cinema. Mm-hmm. Because the theater experience is very different from that of watching a movie on a screen, I think. Because the players on stage can hear you if you're talking. They understand when you're reacting. Even if you're totally silent in the audience, like, that means they're doing something right. They have your attention. You know, like, if you don't hear anything in the audience when you're on stage. Does that make sense? I mean, depending on on the moment, certainly, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's hard to do. But when we have the vampire theater, and I think we're in Paris, Mm -hmm. with Armand and, like, his sacrifice, his martyr. You guys remember this part that I'm talking about? Yes. With the woman who eventually is like, yeah, okay, take me. Yes, definitely, yes. So can we just talk about that scene? Because that's the one that I remember the best. Because I, maybe it's, mm-hmm. like, the most fucked up. Yeah. Even more fucked up than Claudia, maybe. You think so? I don't know. I can't tell. They're both pretty fucked. Well, I think with Claudia, there is this possible outcome in which she eventually at least comes to terms with her situation or comes to appreciate what she can of her situation and her life is not I mean, whose life is ever ideal? So maybe her life is eventually as ideal as it can be, whereas this other woman is just going to end her life in horror and shame, and that's it. Yeah, that's true. Claudia is loved very much. That's true, and this lady is just hot and random. Me too. And Armand seduces her. Well, and I think the fact that people are just looking at her and she's looking back at them and realizing, like, none of these people are going to help me. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I put on here, too, like, this is extreme bystander effect. Extremely extreme. Because everybody thinks with a normal bystander effect that someone else has already done something. Or, like, Mm -hmm, they're, like, the last one to show up on the scene. So surely someone else has done, you know, some preventative measure or cautionary measure. Um, But this one is on stage. And so everybody thinks she's acting. Which is, like, extra scary, which is why Mary Kay does not do haunted houses. Because if I'm screaming, everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, she's scared because it's a haunted house. And you're going to be like, no, I'm actually getting murdered. I'm actually being turned into a fucking vampire martyr. (laughs) Have I told you all my favorite haunted house, like, real-life story? No. About the time my friend... So, we went through for my friend's birthday, and she was on crutches. I thought you were about to say she was on crack. Me too. (laughs) too. That too. If I am friends with the two of you... Then yes, it would make sense that you might also have a friend that does crack. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Or or has just danced too hard and now she needs crutches. Or he. Or he. Anyway, your friend. Uh, Yeah, no, we were in high school. We were like 15. Uh, It was her birthday. It's right before Halloween. So we went to a haunted house and uh, my friend having the birthday, she actually was the one on crutches. It was my, my best friend at the time still a dear friend she had just broken her leg was on crutches so we're going through this like haunted trail in the forest and <laughs> we like turn a dark corner and something jumps out whatever you know there's there's pandemonium and my poor friend is like i can't keep up i can't keep up and oh, no. um, we're like no no, no. we're like trying to scream like don't keep chasing like please like slow down the chasing like we get that you have the chase it's just like slow down the chasing like she can't move that quick 
And then all of a sudden, someone's like, I lost my flip flop because she was trying to double back for us in the dark. <laughs> and I shit you not, this motherfucker with a chainsaw in his hand pulls up his mask and is like, Hey, guys, guys, we lost a shoe. We gotta be safe. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> stay where, don't move. Stay where you are. But look down. We're just looking for a flip. What color is it, sweetheart? She was like, like sea foam green. He's like, we're looking for a sea foam flip flop. Safety first. Pass it down to her. Everybody, like, well, puts everything back. Is you guys okay? We're like, yeah. He's like, it's okay, sweet. It's okay. It's okay. No, 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 no. We're like, yeah, yeah, okay. And she goes like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go. You start catching up to your friends. Shit, you're not. We get four feet away. We needed someone in that theater to be like, excuse me, I lost a flip-flop. <laughs> so then our mom would just be like, all right, hang on. We'll continue the show in just a second, but let's everyone look around. Like, while while he's holding the naked woman, you know. Yeah, because then we would all be like, Chad, we know you now. Like, it's not scary anymore. <laughs> yeah, Chad. So the Heisenberg effect is uh, the principle by which observing a process affects a process. Like, the outcome will inherently be different oh, when somebody okay. is observed. So it's not just the fact that, like, like vampires would never do this, just, like, for funsies. They're just trying to eat. But they're doing this because they can also make money if they're watched. But then also, they're being watched being watched. Right. Which then changes it. And then if you zoom way out, we're watching somebody else watching somebody yeah. watching them do it. Ooh, that's all kind of fucked. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's terrifying to think that, yeah, on the one hand, like, nobody in the audience knows what they're seeing. Yeah. But also, do we really think anyone is that good at the whole acting thing? Like... Yeah, I think so. I mean, and that's what makes it so scary, right? Is that it tricks you. Mm-hmm. You give it on the stage, it's supposed to be observed. You're meant to say it's bad manners and watch. Too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There, this is the apron. Beyond this is the full stage. There's the curtain, and like everything beyond this boundary is not you. I mean, I think that's the scariest part of the movie to me is that nobody does or says anything because they don't think that it's real. Yeah. Should we close it up? Let's do it. Shall we? Sure. So my original closer was going to be, what kind of lip gloss do you think that Lestat wears? Oh. <laughs> so you can answer that too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because his lips are so shiny. Um, I mean, obviously Urban Decay. <laughs> I mean, I think it does stay on. It is pretty, like, yes. unflinching. But we also wanted to say who we would cast as Lestat instead because I'm salty about Tom Cruise. And I always will yes. be. <laughs> I'm um, always salty about forever. I'm salty about Brad Pitt, too. Like, I'm salty about, like, a lot of things. I liked Brad Pitt. I liked yeah. Kirsten Dunst. I liked... Oh, Kirsten Dunst Kirsten, is amazing. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten yes. Dunst is amazing. I, I'm always here for Kirsten Dunst, honestly. I don't think she gets enough credit. She doesn't. I think she's awesome. Yeah, she is. Anyway. Wait, who would you yeah. cast as Lestat, Emily? Oh, my God. I don't even know. Can someone else go? Yeah. I've got a call. I mean, I've got someone that I'd like to see do it. I don't know that it's um, necessarily reasonable story-wise. I just mean character-wise. Because sure. we're, we're working quickly here. If we say the same thing, I'm going to projectile vomit. <laughs> There's so much vomit in this episode. There's a the lot of vomit. The name of this episode is Interview yeah. with the Vampire, colon, I'm going to vomit. <laughs> it doesn't make sense story-wise because it can't, but it's Sterling K. Brown. Ooh, oh, yeah. Okay, mine was similar. Mm-hmm. Interesting. He can do fucking anything. He's awesome. I guess I just see Lestat as a little bit younger than that. Like I'm, I'm picturing him in his like mid twenties. Okay. I mean, no. I mean, you're definitely right. That's what he's supposed to be. Sterling is so like he 
he's such a like potent and intense and charismatic presence yep. and I've seen yeah. him be so so fucking funny and so so fucking terrified like that's what I'm looking for in a Lestat someone that will make me laugh and terrify me often at the same time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a similar aesthetic but not the same mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the first name that came into my mind was Idris Elba Ooh. he was my backup in my head in yeah. case somebody had my first one. I didn't think anybody would have my first one because it's pretty unconventional but yeah he was my backup he's more Armand okay. to me but yes yeah, he is more Armand, but that was the first name that came in my head. Also, I think that Lestat probably just uses, like, straight-up Vaseline. <laughs> well, yeah, if you'll never break out again, why not? Just, like, oh my god, right. smear it everywhere. It's so shiny. It just never goes away. You know what I think he uses? What's and that? hopefully yeah. you guys know what I'm talking about. It was really popular in the 90s and, like, early 2000s. They still, I think they still make it. That Maybelline Baby Lips lip gloss. That's what he's... <laughs> the that's, plumpy kind? Yeah. Oh, it's not... I don't... Th- I think they juicy. might make plumpy kind. Mm-hmm, that clear, sticky shit. I know what you're talking about. Ayo. I think he wears the Essence Clear lip gloss. I gotta... I gotta put a link uh, for us to put on a thing. <laughs> I'll put it in the show I was notes, say, We'll everyone. put some, like, affiliate Amazon <laughs> Wait, Megan, who was your first oh, pick? Oh, my first pick is really kind of, like, sound like off the path from what we're going with, but I like how he, he has played similar-ish characters before, and I think he okay. would do a great job. I chose Tom Hiddleston. Oh. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, too. He has played a vampire before, yeah. so we know he has experience. I thought about Tom Hardy myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Does your vagina just, like, <laughs> Just take me. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Do you have one, Emily? And if you don't have one, that's cool, but you have to have a lip gloss. Well, I said Urban Decay. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. For the lip gloss. Um, Also, just thematically, the name works really well. With oh my gosh, you're so right. Character. Oh my gosh, you're so smart. All of my smartest friends are here. Ah, um, I kind of like the Tom Hardy <laughs> suggestion. Right? Yeah. That's a good I can't one. unsee that now. Well, yeah. He has those lips. He would just mess <laughs> that shit up. He would mess <laughs> that shit up. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Do that. Oh my gosh, this was such a fun episode. I feel like we didn't even derail that much, and it's so much longer than normal. We had so much good shit to say. Oh my it's gosh. just, it's a really good story. It is I a mean, good story. Yeah. even though the movie has some problems, yeah. like Tom Cruise, yeah. it's a really good story. <laughs> it still holds up, so. like 30 ish years later, yeah. which I appreciate oh, yeah, about yeah. a film made in the 90s because I feel like a lot of them don't. We watch them now, and we're just like, ugh. It's so true. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this held up better than the craft for you guys. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. <laughs> you know what still holds up? What? What? Good classic horror films made in the 70s. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. Tell us what we're doing next time. Do your segue, bitch. Tune in next time on Everything Trying to Kill You. Just in time for spooky season to start. Ooh. We're tackling Richard Donner's 1976 film, The Omen. Don't go watch the shitty remake. Nope, no remakes for us. If you watch the remake, I'm going to be upset with all of you. I'm talking to the listeners. They're going to be banned. We're going to block them. Oh, I was agreeing. Okay, yes. It is based on an incredible book series. And if you guys actually have time to go read, like, all five of those books, do it. They're amazing. Um, (laughs) Five? Damn, okay. Well, they're, they're, they're not very long. They're pretty short. And uh, so okay. yeah, the omen is about a little evil nugget that was switched at birth with a not so evil <laughs> little nugget without the mother knowing 
because the aforementioned not so evil little nugget was dun 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 murdered at the hospital. Oh shit! <gasps> so now shit's going wrong and everybody's dying because first said evil nugget is the antichrist. Surprise, surprise! Oh my god! Oh my gosh! I'm gonna have to pray a lot before this. I mean, what do you expect when your name's fucking Damien? So if you like supernatural things and evil children, and we all know that Mary oh Kay gosh, loves y'all. both of those I'm gonna things, have to this ooh, watch this in for you. <laughs> ten minute increments in the middle of the day among people who am I love after praying significantly. <laughs> it's all for you, Damien. I'm so pumped for this. Like I can't. This oh is one gosh. of my favorite movies in the whole I'm world. Pumped to listen to it. Like this one, unlike some of my other picks, is actually a really eerie film. So like, yeah, Mary, watch it in the bus in the daytime. Mary Kay, I'm it's sorry okay, for you. I was gonna say, me too. I'm ready to watch this in my house. I'm so ready. Yeah, I've been listening to the right, so I feel like I'm actively trying to not be afraid. But basically, long story short, go watch The Omen and get ready for spooky season with us. Yeah, and if you haven't already, please follow us on the social media. If you haven't checked out Book Squad Goals, do that. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. I was so excited to be here for this because Interview with a Vampire is so close to my heart. Emily is the one who requested this I did request it. So if you like (laughs) this movie, you'll probably like her taste in books, too. It was a delight to have you. It was so much fun. Thank you. I will come back anytime. Emily, when Mary Kay said that you were coming back, I got super excited. (laughs) One, just obviously, because I love you. But two, because out of every single episode we have ever recorded, you said my favorite, like, single line out of every possible line ever. And I was like, yes. It was in The Mummy. When we were talking about how Evie is relatable, and you were just like, so Evie probably farts, and she definitely <laughs> takes hangover shit. And I was like, God, girl, you're right. I forgot about that, but it's true. And I think that was that's definitely, like, the height of comedy yeah. goals oh, in this podcast. I'm glad I could provide. Man, I don't know if I'll ever be able to live up to that line, you know? You can't, but that's okay. <laughs> you peeped. Anyway, but more of the story. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Don't let the vampires suck on your neck. Unless you want it. Tell all your friends. Tell your friends. And tell a friend that we're a beautiful and intelligent and funny. Tell a hot friend. Some of us are single. <laughs> Ooh, yes. What she said, seconded. Ooh. A hot friend, please. Half of us, in fact. <laughs> it is coughing season. Hook us up. Okay, bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Ha <laughs> ha